Last week we talked about how uh, the, when uh, James chapter 3, how our words control the direction of our life and uh, how we influence um, everything that's happening around us. And so uh, today, uh, so last week we talked about the words that we speak. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about the power of a blessing, powerful words that we have to speak. And we're going to go over James, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob's blessing over his 12 sons. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, it's going to be a time that it will, I promise this will be something you remember for the rest of your life. Jacob's blessing. It'll be really cool. Um, but this week we're talking about words that have been spoken over you. And, um, this, this can be kind of a hard message to land because I believe within this room, there is a lot of hurt and uh, there is a lot of hangups uh, that have happened. And so you can take this message of today about offense and go with it to your family, um, to your job, to your career. And there's a lot of different areas in our life in which we've been hurt based on words spoken over us that may have been in love but didn't fall in love and um, have done some damage. But largely today, I'm talking about how hurt has been spoken over you from the church. And, um, and so you can interpret this from your marriage. You can interpret this from your job. But today, I want to talk about hurt that we've done as the church. Is that fair? Uh, because there are people in your life that you trust to say good things and you trust to them to say it the right way at the right time. And sometimes the timing is off or the words were off or the character was off and it just landed wrong. If you would today, today's message, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, help. Amen. Uh, I'm reading today out of 1 Samuel chapter 16, and um, this sermon uh, was really um, downloaded to me probably about 17 years ago. I read a book that is one of my favorite ministry books. In fact, a lot of our ministry leaders are reading this book with me right now, and this, the book is called A Tale of Three Kings by an author named Gene Edwards, and I encourage any of you to read it. It's one of the easiest reads I've ever read in my life, and trust me, that's supernatural, uh, but I, I do believe in learning. I love Jesus enough to not stay where I am, but I want to grow, and we do that by, by, by reading and learning and studying, and A Tale of Three Kings really changed my life and my view of ministry within the house of God. Check that out. My first point today is going to be this, an offended leader. Oof. Well, I'll take you there in scripture. It's found in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And uh, as the story would open up, it would say this. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil he had and he anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, who was king. David's a little boy. The king had the spirit leave him. And some uh, 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 had left Saul. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. 
and he will play soothing music and you will hear, you will soon be well again. All right, said Saul, let me find someone who plays well and bring them here. I don't know if you know much of the background. I'm just trying to give you some, some, some perspective in this relationship of this offense. Uh, King Saul is struggling and he needs someone to play some music. Now, the reason why David was chosen to be king wasn't because of his giftings of leadership. It was because of his love for the Lord. And so if you want to know where your calling starts, it doesn't start in the altar, it doesn't start in a seat. It starts at home and to an audience of one. I want to preach the gospel. Great. Start with Jesus. Man, write your, write your messages. Talk to the Lord. Pray. Minister to Jesus before you minister to people. I wake up every Sunday at 3 a.m. to make sure that before I minister to you, I have first ministered to the Lord and that you're not hearing from Tim, but from Jesus. Um, so anyways... Jesus started on the backside of a mountain playing to the Lord. And I want you to know that music is spiritual. It's always spiritual. Every music that's playing on the radio right now is largely spiritual. And it's affecting you whether you realize it or not. Trust me, the first musician ever created was Lucifer. Think about that one for a second. Music is spiritual. And I encourage you especially if you struggle with depression, anxiety, or great overwhelm. What is coming in? Put some worship on. Learn to tune your eyes. That's a word for someone. We're going to move on. Because that's not what this is about. But I thought it was good. So Saul's servant said, great. All right, so bring this kid here. And I'm going to skip down to verse 22. And it says, then, then Saul sent word back to Jesse, David's daddy, let David remain in my service, for I'm very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Well, he didn't just play the harp. He worshiped the Lord. And David's worship influenced Saul. I want you to know, Deb, Rachel, I can't tell you how many years your worship has made a difference on my life. Can I get an amen from anyone? And, um, and so whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp and Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. And the tormenting spirit would go away. I'm going to keep reading here. It, then, so what we're going to find then is that David stayed in Saul's care and he began to serve Saul in any way he needed. In the very next chapter, chapter 17, is the wonderful story you may have heard of called David and Goliath, right? And uh, David says, uh, look, I can go and fight that guy. And Saul had already liked him so much, they, there was a bond there, that he trusted him to actually go and take out this giant, although he wasn't a warrior. And so he goes and he fights, kills Goliath, comes back. Saul loves this kid now. You know, you were, I liked you. Now you're all right with me, Jack. All right. And so here we go. So this picks up in verse, uh, chapter 18, verse five, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. That's a, that's someone you want in your life. You know what I mean? King's having it good. So Saul made him the commander over all the men of war and appointed that he was an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. Let me just stop there for a second. Happy Veterans Day. 
Thank you all who served our country. Thank you. You knew what was happening when you signed your name on the line. Some of you didn't know what it would look like that got called off to war, but we just want to let you know that I recognize that I would not be where I am had it not been for people that lay their lives down on a daily basis. So first to the veterans, second to all first responders and everyone on the front line, like you guys are making a difference in our life. And some of us are ignorant to not know it, but I'm thankful that, um, for what you've done. Can I keep going? All right, cool. Let me just, I, I, yeah, time. All right. So, so, uh, so David, Saul loved David, made him the commander over all of his men because of all of his things. Like he's just doing good. And God just keeps promoting him and promoting him and promoting him. And so an appointment that was welcomed by, uh, or, so I'm sorry, when the, victories, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women from all of the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. Let me just stop there. I don't know if you know, but when all of the ladies came out to see the king, the king was pretty excited. You know what I mean? He was, he was fired up. He's like, hey, ladies, great victory today. This is what happens. So all of the ladies began to sing, and they danced for joy with their tambourines and their cymbals. And this was their song. Saul killed thousands, and David killed his ten thousands. Uh-oh. I don't know if you know, but all of you at some point in your life will be offended. You don't have to stay that way. You are all going to be offended, and largely the offense will, will happen greater the closer you are with the individual. The more love and respect you have for the person, the harder it is. Saul loved David, and this song was all about his greatness. And the women weren't wrong. Like they weren't disrespecting the king. How many times can the king go to battle? And so he had great warriors that went out and fought for him. David only did what the king asked him to do. He wasn't rude. He wasn't, he wasn't arrogant. He, wasn't, he was doing his job. He was technically not even his own warrior. He was the king's warrior. So it's a, the song was a compliment. But it didn't land that way. And... Uh, it hurt his feelings. And this is about when anointed people get hurt. You got to be careful because you're all going to get your toes stepped on. And what you do with that hurt matters most. Let me say that again. What you do when your feelings get hurt matters most. Stop, ask questions, talk about it. Don't harbor it. This is bad. I have to keep going. So what happens is Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with tens thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they will be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. I don't know if you heard this, but David, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And Saul just prophesied. You got to be careful when you're all up in your feelings, what you're saying. Because sometimes you don't realize it, but you are, you are prophesying. 
Now, you don't believe me, but if you read scripture, the Lord put his spirit on you so that you would be anointed to speak things that were not as though they are. Saul just also made David king. And from that day on, he kept his eye on him. I just want you to know what happens when a leader gets jealous. But he didn't have to because David was a good dude. The scripture says this, that an offended, this is from um, um, Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 19, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling like the bars of a castle. I just want you to know what I've seen in people as a pastor. pastor. Sometimes I have to tell you things that you don't want to hear. And you have to know people that are in their word are used to being convicted. When you're not in your word, you're not used to being convicted. And so it lands kind of harsh. But when you read the word, it's like a mirror and it talks back to you, trying to make you righteous. Authority was designed by God. And so when, when, when we speak into your life, sometimes it can hurt. And what you don't want to happen is for the bars to slam shut. Because an offended brother is worse than a quarreling. Like, it's, it's, it's a vault, man. And when you hurt my feelings in my marriage, I'm going to shut down. When you hurt my feelings at my job, I'm going to shut down. And what happens is now the very thing that God called you to do isn't happening anymore because you got offended. And now you broke the one relationship you needed the most. I believe, Christians, when we stay in our word, we're open to God speaking to the things and the places that you cannot see yourself. I don't know if you know, but the ugliest places of me, I can't see. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You can't see the ugliest places of you either. I just made that joke up. So if it landed wrong, I'm sorry. All right, the second point is an, an unoffended servant. So we know what, a, what, a, what, 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 what an offended leader looks like. Now check this out. The very next verse, so, so from that time, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next verse in verse 10 says this. The next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. I don't know if you can picture it. I'm just kidding. That's not. So he's 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 angry at his house, right? And he's he's going nuts. And I don't know if you know what it sounds like, but a raving madman is speaking. He's walking around like a lunatic, and he's talking about things. And we got David in the corner, and he's playing the harp. And it's got to be frustrating about stuff and people who don't know how to do their jobs, and everything's going nuts. And can you just can you just play the song that I told you? To? And what happens is when you're upset and you're a little bit raving madman, you're saying things you don't mean to say. That's what's going to happen. I don't know if you know it, but if you don't bridle this thing. It's going to say what's going on in here. You've got to learn how to do this. Shut up when you get upset. Now, David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. And so uh, this just got interesting. And suddenly he hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. Let me just stop there for a second. In the world we live in, when our leaders get upset with us or are frustrating with us, no one's thrown a spear at you. 
But I'll tell you how we respond. Often, we close up and we protect ourselves. But let me show you the difference between us and what a godly man looks like. Because David is a type of Jesus. And the way Jesus responded was always open to correction. He, he, he made himself available. When someone punches you and, and slaps you on the face, turn the other cheek. If someone steals your jacket, give him your shirt. Like, Jesus is next level kind of Christian. Right? Because he's kind of, the, he is, you know, all right, never mind. And so... <laughs> David was the first that showed us what it looked like to lay their life down. And so the scripture says when, uh, when he threw the spear at him, intending to pin him to a wall, he avoided it twice. Let me just show you. It almost implies that this happened on another day. And then you actually read in the next chapter, it happened again and again and again. And David was called to serve the king. He was, that was his call. Like he knew this is where my ministry is. I'm going to worship the Lord and I'm going to minister to this guy. And sometimes the people that God is calling you to minister to may be the most hurtful. Could be in your home. Could be in your, in your, in your connect group. You know what I mean? Who knows where? But if you're not careful, you can respond the wrong way. Check this out. But David escaped him twice. Then Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David, and he had turned away from Saul. I, um, I just think what happens when we get hurt and what happens when we get offended. But when I think about David, and so what as you would see is here in this next chapter and in several other chapters, then Saul would come to David and say, hey, David, um, who's trying to kill him, hey, I need you to go to war for me. I'm going to give you less troops this time. Ah, I just want you to know, David would define to us song, understandings and theologies that we know, like the Lord is my protector. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my fortress, my rock in whom I... David would teach us the theology to let us know that he is ultimately always going to protect me. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then that's the way the Lord designed it. And if we're not careful, we can get in the habit of protecting ourselves, which is what David never did. I want you to understand, David knew that there was a call of God on his life and he was gonna fulfill it regardless of how he was treated. Church, this is gonna happen in your ministry again and again and again. I've had to learn this my own way because when you want to be like Jesus, when that's the call of your heart, don't be surprised when God gives you the opportunity to be like Jesus. I don't know if you know, but people hurt Jesus and he laid his life down anyway. Now here's the beauty of, the, of my point, third point. You guys still with me? Point number one is an offended leader. Point number two is an unoffended servant who's willingly, all right, you want me to go to battle? I'll go. Who am I? Who's going with me? All right, let's do it. God's with me. God's on my side. He's going to protect me. Point number three is a hard one because it's a trusted friend. When I've been hurt, it's hard for me to trust again. Pain has taught me to protect myself. I don't know why. But this is why we have to learn 
the power of our worship, the power of prayer, the power of connecting with the Lord. Because if you don't have this connection, you will enter into your calling protecting yourself. And that was never the design. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm telling you, in your life, when we protect ourselves from our pastor, when we protect ourselves from our connect group leader, when we protect ourselves from, like, hurt is going to come. I'm sorry to tell you, like, it happens. Look at John the Baptist. Like, he's confused. The call of God is not always going to be this glorious thing where you never get hurt. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to prophesy over your life. If you serve, no, if you're a human being, you're going to get your feelings hurt. But no one's throwing spears at you. So you, at the end of the day, it's okay. <laughs> David found a friend and he still made himself vulnerable. In church, I just want to say, uh, we just ended our connect groups this last week. And to all the connect group leaders, I'm thankful for who you are within our church, that you become a pastor to people at tables that I'll never sit at. It's important that people can have someone to go to and say, I'm jacked up. Someone hurt my feelings. My life stinks. And also a place where they can learn. We have to have this as human beings because the church will not grow in rows, but we will grow in circles. I believe this is 100% part of my theology. Like, like, I believe that if you're doing this right, you're taking this home with you and you're calling people to come to your house and break bread with you and celebrate the things. That's where God's growing. This is where we have awesome encounters. This is where it gets big, but where it gets small is where the growth happens. That's where it gets intimate. I'm thankful for the big dates me and my wife went on, but we grow when we're alone. We multiply when we're alone too, baby. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just saying. Now David fled to Namath in Ramah and he found Jonathan. And here's what happens. David says to Jonathan, who is Jonathan is David's son. I have to hurry. I'm way over time. Jonathan, uh, David said to Jonathan, who is David, who is Saul's son. Now this is, Jonathan is the kid who is supposed to be king next, but he's become best friends with David. This is the one guy you shouldn't trust. You know what I'm talking about? And I just want you to know that's the way the Lord works is oftentimes he's going to set you up with what you need the most. And if I had trust issues in my life, I probably would not be trusting this person. But David had a heart that was just open to the Lord. So he goes to Saul or to Jonathan and he says, hey, um, what is my crime? How have I offended your father that he's so determined to kill me? Time out. It's good to ask questions about what's going wrong in your life, especially when you don't know the answers. Because um, oftentimes people in your life will tell you, I, well, I can tell you because you're an idiot. That's why. That's a good friend right there. And so uh, this is what happens. He says uh, in the next verse, he says, that's not true. Jonathan protested, you're not going to die. And I love that right there. Let me just stop there. I love that Jonathan is basically um, telling him to calm the heck down, slow your roll, stop being emotional, Jack. All right, look, like, calm, like David, get a hold of yourself. I wonder if he slaps him here, you know, like you'd see in a movie, you know? Like, hey, 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 hey. bring it together. He says, uh, listen, 
Uh, he, the king always tells me everything that he's going to do, even the little things. And I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. And then the, and verse four, he says this. Tell me what I can do to help you. And let me just tell you. In a, in a place like this, there's not many people that don't want to do whatever it takes to help you find your breakthrough. You just got to be willing to put yourself in the situation. What would have David done had he not had a friend that said, I'm here for you. I'm thankful for a church. And I can only say for me, people that love me and they love my family. And I am thankful for the people that I've done this life with for now a long time. People that have my back to the core, that pray for me when my kids are sick or when I'm going crazy and my wife needs someone to intercede for the past. Like, thank you for people that have my back. And I just want you to know that's the beauty of this. You got to have people you trust in your life. You need them. Cool. Let me go to the next point. Point number four. Is this good so far? Okay. Words are going to land and they're going to offend you. If you don't have people in your life, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know the Holy Spirit gave you people because there are, there are like, the scripture, I, I'm thinking about, this is a rabbit trail. You know, like the story when that, who was the guy that had the donkey and the donkey talked to him? What was it? Balaam. Balaam. Yeah. Like, there are times when God's talking to you and you're not listening. You're, you're up in your feelings. And so you need people, donkeys, to tell you, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like that Grinch song, you know, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> no, he says, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> it's my favorite. My kids love the Grinch. Okay, cool. Point number four is a ministry continued. Now I'm going to say this as quick as I can so I can get to the close here, but this is what I think you need to know. You can't let your past affect your present. David restrained his men so that they did not let them kill Saul. And Saul had left the cave and gone his own way. And David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, my King. Uh, then Saul looked around and David bowed low before him. Let me just stop there. Luke chapter 16, verse 28 says that we should bless those who curse us. The ministry of David, who was called to be king, never took the kingdom for himself. He always recognized that King Saul was the man as long as he was the man. And what's important about this is that the Lord is going to give you the things that you need when you act in righteousness and character. When you don't have the character to be in the position that God calls you to, to be in, you end up like Saul. You want your character to put you in the position of ministry that you're ready for so that you can sustain the call that you were supposed to have all along. In this story, David is, or Saul is continually trying to kill David, constantly trying to kill him, trying to kill him, trying to kill him, trying to kill him. And David is constantly trying to bless the king. And in this passage, we find an opportunity that David has to kill him and he just cuts a part of his cloak and he feels bad about it. Like, man, I cut your favorite jackets, King Saul, I'm so sorry. But he bows down to the ground in reverence, recognizing you're my leader. And I could cut you back. I could be mean to you, but I'm not going to. Church, when we have every reason to be offended, Jesus had every reason to be offended with me. But he didn't. Instead, he returned blessing. 
And that is a display of leadership and love and character and discipline. David displayed that and he always pursued his ministry. Let me just, I'm trying to stop and try to close this thing up with what the Lord actually told me. I said all that to get to this. So this is going to go longer here. Here we go. You guys ready for this? Words have landed. Things have been spoken over you your whole life, whether you realize it or not. Some were straight mean. Some were not mean. They just felt mean. But what happens is in life, this is just in life. If you've ever been in a bad car accident, when you feel like you're going to get in one, you flinch a little bit more. If you've ever been in a bad relationship, when things start looking like they could be, you flinch a little bit more. In life, if you've ever been hurt by a pastor or a leader, when you get in another church, you flinch just a little bit more. Sometimes we protect ourselves because of other things that other people said. It wasn't you that said it to me. I'm just scared. And if you have the fear of rejection on your life because other people have abandoned you or other people have said harsh things, sometimes you'll take it out on the next person because of the hurt that was done before. And it'll feel like a memory inside a self-preservation mode. Do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? This is about to get good. I just want you to consider your calling. What are you called to do? Because I think right now, if you're going to be where God calls you to be, you got to be whole. Some of you want to be married. Then you got to fight to be whole. Some of you want to be in ministry. Then you got to fight to be whole. Because you don't want to offer a broken person to broken people. You want to be healed and made whole. What are you called to do? Because every one of you were called to do something. And I'm telling you, that calling is going to cost you something. Yes. Anointing, anything that's of great value, will have great cost. Yes. My calling has cost me my life. How about yours? And, and Jesus would say it this way, consider your calling. He said this way in Matthew chapter 6 in, 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 in the Lord's Prayer. He said, Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Every day in your daily prayer, I pray that you're asking God to forgive you and you're forgiving others. Because if you're not, the reason why David had become king is because he constantly put himself where God wanted him, in harm's way, to minister to Israel. He put himself in the front line of battle he put himself in harm's way in the king's courts. He always put himself where God needed him the most. And that's in harm's way. And I'm sorry if sometimes that feels like it's not fair. Like what about, they keep saying, it's me. They're not noticing all these things that I'm doing. You know what? Ministry hurts, but I'm not doing it for, for you. I am doing it for Greg, but I'm not doing it for you. You know how I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this for the Lord. And I just pray the Lord sees me. Consider your calling. Forgive those that hurt you. It's hard, and I'll be honest with you. The people that have hurt me most in my life, I didn't say it once, God, I forgive them. I didn't say it twice. I could remember seasons in my life where I literally prayed with tears in my eyes for two, three, four, five times a day. God, I forgive that person, and I bless them. And it's a deep hurt 
you start it here. You start saying it and your heart will follow. It takes time when you've been hurt deep within your soul. But when you're free, it's beautiful because you can see them. And now you can minister to them because you've let, you, you didn't allow that, that bitterness to take over. And they say bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person gets hurt. How do you know when your marriage needs forgiveness? Well, who's at fault? And you can build a whole conversation in about four and a half seconds. You probably have some offense built up in there. Now this is, I said all that to say this. Point number one, consider your calling. So if you're called into marriage, if you're called into ministry, if you're called to be a doctor, if you're called to, whatever you're called to do, if it's of great value, you're going to get your feelings hurt. I promise. It's the word of the Lord. Everyone say the word of the Lord. All right, cool. Second point here. Here's what I want you to do to find your healing. Confront your hurt. Now, last week I was, I was sitting right there and, and God was speaking to me. And I, I don't like to say this often, like God spoke to me, right? But I, I really feel like I was hearing like, I just understood something for the first time. And this is what I understood. That we, Tim Broughton included, I avoid hurt and prefer, what, what was the word? Harm. I prefer harm over hurt. Let me just show you what I mean. Tim Broughton has had bad experiences with dentists. So I avoid the hurt and I prefer the harm. You do this too. I've had bad experiences with, with, with doctors. So I avoid the hurt and I prefer the harm. Because the harm doesn't hurt, but it's doing more damage in the long run. So I don't want to talk to someone about what they said because I know that's an awkward, painful conversation. But if we talk it out, Raphael, we can find healing. But I don't want the hurt. I prefer the harm. Let me just tell you the damage. When he offends me, what offense does is it literally builds a fence between two people and it divides us. And the Lord doesn't want division anywhere in our life. He wants us to be unified with everyone. So when I get hurt by someone that I love and that I trust it, the worst thing we could do is nothing. To walk away, oh, I'll pray for him. But you know, I just, I don't trust him. And I just want you to know, some of the worst pains have happened in churches, other churches. Because our church has never hurt anyone. Just for the record, I never done. Other churches. And it happened and it came here. But what happens when you were hurt there, my wife always says this, you always start new chapters the way the old chapter finished. And so when they hurt you and you left, you just start over with the same pain. The old divorce, same hurt. And we'll take that hurt out on our new partner, not realizing all those insecurities that never got dealt with. I prefer harm over hurt. And I'm so thankful that Jesus embraced the hurt so that I didn't have to be harmed. Is this good or what? This is, good. this is a good message right here. I'll just tell you right now. This ain't a good message. You hit your head somewhere on the way in. All right. <laughs> Deb, would you come? We're way over time. And this is how we're going to end this here. I believe that the greatest way that you can deal with that hurt is through the power of confession. This is what the scripture says. 
Therefore, in Romans chapter 9, verse 10, 9 and 10, it says, therefore, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and become justified, but it is with your mouth that you profess and you are saved. I just want you to know that life-changing things happen when we speak it. I was thinking about the power of just counseling this week. I was studying it. Where did counseling come from? Why the heck do doctors think that counseling is good? Because it's good to talk about what's going on in here. When it comes out, when the yuck built up in your heart comes out, now God can put in all the clean stuff. But you got to say it. God, I'm so mad at Pastor Tim because he's really loud and he gets overexcited and he rabbit trails too much and I can't follow his messages. Would you please forgive me? Bless Pastor Tim. Now we can start the prod, like you got to get that yuck out and then the Holy Spirit can show you how really anointed that guy is. He's really anointed. He's the most anointed guy you know. bit of exaggeration happening here but confess your sin talk about it don't avoid the hurt or it will create harm what could happen imagine if you if Rachel got mad at me and we allowed separation to take place in our friendship the harm that it would do to our church imagine if my wife got mad at me because of things I said to her. Oh, man, did you see that lady has the coolest shoes in the world? She's like, that lady, oh, you think that lady has the coolest shoes in the world? It would create, it would create such harm to our church. Well, we don't allow hurt to build up. We confront it. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Pastor Tim, I too have been hurt. I too have been hurt. I too have been hurt. But I'm not going to stay that way. Today I need God to forgive me for not dealing with that hurt. Today I need the Lord to forgive me. And I need the Lord to help me forgive them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you're honest enough to pray that prayer, would you raise your hand high right now? And when people are honest about what God's doing in their life, it makes me proud to be standing here. Thank you. I'm standing with you. Jesus, I realize that wrong has happened even in the name of Jesus. And I stand here before you, church, as your pastor, and I repent. Of the, of the things that were said purposefully or unpurposefully that landed in a way that did harm to you. We love you. We love the high call of God on your life. And I ask for forgiveness for those that did wrong to you. And I pray for your healing right now. Would you forgive me? Jesus, would you forgive us for harboring that pain? protecting ourselves 
Would you make us one with the body of Christ? Would you teach me to love others and trust others the way you've entrusted them with your spirit? Would you let me trust them with your spirit? Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? Would you wash me in the blood? In Jesus' name.